And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. The Medusa character seems to be one of the favorites of uh, many fans that have written to me. Some of the early films, they just took an actress and put rubber snakes in her hair, which looked rather artificial when she walked. They just all bounced in unison. And uh, I didn't want that, so I had to redesign her so that she had a serpentine body. But every statue I'd seen, she was just a woman with a pretty face and had snakes in her hair. Well, that wasn't very dramatic, so I gave her a rather demonic look. We gave her a rattlesnake's tail so that she could be a menace from the sound effect point of view. It was a shock to see her come out from behind the wall crawling on her hands because that was the only way she could propel herself. And uh, it had flickering fire. And in order to make Medusa, who was put in later, uh, look like she was part of the scene, I had to put a, a flicker on her all the time, every time she was seen. Janet Stevens was a very good sculptor, and she's worked with us on several films. I would draw the figures up, and then she would model them in clay. And Janet did a marvelous serpentine texture of scales on Medusa. She manufactured this ball-headed lady with a serpentine body, which we made a mold of, and then uh, cast it in rubber over an armature made of metal that would be flexible and movable. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. And you're here for episode 149. Man, like, we're so close. Right now, we're it's not like Rogan, who's got like a thousand No, yeah, well, yeah, but, but the yeah. guys like him and Kevin Smith live on the computer. <laughs> like, But uh, tonight, as usual, we have a guest. Why don't you tell me who that is? Okay, so uh, we have a guest. Um, uh, really excited to have this guy on. I've known him for... A few years. I Here comes remember. the smoke, John. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, publisher, director, producer, special effects artist, visual effects artist, um, and the, the nearest and dearest to my heart, stop motion animator. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, martial artist, which which we all which will come into. Today. I guarantee. Absolutely, everybody. Please welcome John Ikuma. Yeah. Right Welcome, sir. Howdy. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Good, 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 good. Uh, I guess we usually start with like uh, some preliminaries about like where you grew up and what kind of what kind of kid you were and uh, how did you come to. Uh, it seems to be a fairly comprehensive interest in in the presentation of ideas. Oh boy! Ooh. Well, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> there's a there's a long story there. I'm going to try to give you the short story. Okay, so um, I was born in Maryland, actually in Silver Spring, Maryland, and uh, then I uh, grew up in Annapolis. Um, became a folk singer, and then I became a signed artist as a folk singer to different about four different labels. Uh, had a failed music career. 
and uh, had a publishing deal that I never published a thing, and all those poor record deals, I never actually released anything. But I was signed. I signed a capital EMI. Uh, oh, nice. A&M. And um, then I moved out to L.A. because I had a break, a terrible breakup with this uh, person, this girl. Uh, she broke my heart, and, and I just needed to get the hell away. So I literally moved from one coast to the other to get away from her. And, and the fire uh, is lit. <laughs> yes. And, and by chance, I had a friend that um, was the Foley artist sound design on The Simpsons, sound designer on The Simpsons. And he gave me a uh, apprenticeship, which basically meant I sat around, smoked cigarettes, drank his beer, and smoked his pot uh, while he worked. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's good work, yeah, man. Yeah. Get it. My internship was nothing like that. Well, that's, that's exactly where I'm modeling my whole career for. <laughs> so I did that for about three years, and, and I also, while I was doing that, I pretty much just, what I did was I, I basically shadowed him. I saw what he did. I saw what his employees did because he would hire people on. I lived there for free, uh, which was a definitely benefit because moving out to L.A., you need you need yeah. millions yeah. of dollars to live, really. And then um, I don't have millions of dollars, by the way. And then, um, so he, uh, you know, he was doing that. And then, so I finished, you know, I was, I was there, but I met my wife and we got married and had a kid and uh, that was after three years. So then I got right into uh, audio engineering because I went to school for that and I did that for about five years. And uh, probably the biggest artist anybody probably knows that I worked with was Nelly Furtado. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked on the Folklore album. Uh, didn't get credit on that, but I did get credit on Live Birds of Prey, the band okay. Live. Sure, sure, it, yeah. Throwing copper and stuff. So I worked on the one album that um, that they did that no one listened to, which is Lazarus. <laughs> <Lazarus. laughs> and, uh, and then from there, I uh, let's see. Then I went to musician to work at Musicians Institute, and then I quickly moved up the ranks there to uh, marketing coordinator, mm-hmm. and uh, went through their film program and started directing music videos and commercials and stuff. Started showing up on major television shows and and stuff, and I got an award and I got a Latin music. Latin Music Video Award in uh, Central America, and um, just you know, basically just did a bunch of shit, and uh, then the economy took a dump, and I went back to school, and I had been doing animation for like you know, on my own for maybe ten years at that point, and I uh, I got an internship at Robot Chicken, and then it just nice. all snowballed from there. So, and I did season. Four, yeah, Robot Chicken season four, and I got an Emmy award for uh, as an as an intern uh, for a production Emmy. You get these production Emmys where the whole production gets an Emmy, right. and you get one as you get one, you get basically a, either a plaque or a certificate. And so I, that was my first Emmy that I won with them. And then um, and then I just I had a career in stop motion for the past you know ten years. So yeah. so it, uh, which is this is really cool to hear because your 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 career path. Um, I think is a lot like a lot of people's, um, where it's like you're kind of just you, you don't know, you know. It's like I well, I need a job, and I know I'm creative, so here's the here's where this, do I fit in exactly? And then you kind of meander and wind your way through, and eventually you find something. Um, it's for a lot of people when we talk to stop motion animators, they're like, I knew when I was three. You yeah, know, that you know, like they're they're like I saw you know King Kong or I saw the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and I just started doing it and, and they, like it almost like they had no choice. You know, uh, you know that's funny because you know I, I would say that I would watch Bugs Bunny cartoons as a kid all by myself, and I would beg people to sit and watch with me, and no one would watch, and I had this obscene 
not seen, but uh, unusual fascination with um, animation. So I was obsessed with animation, not necessarily stop motion, but just animation in general. So sure, sure. I did have that passion, that love for, for animation and, and kind of looked at it intently and intensely. You know, I, it was something that I wanted. So, yeah, I guess you could say that's true. But in the same token, I, the same thing's true with girls. I wanted to get, <laughs> so. uh, I, Before we move too far from this, I want to ask a couple things. Number one, sure. uh, describe the music that you were doing. Make some comparisons like it sounds like X and X. Okay, so when I was a te- it, it evolved, actually. So when I was a teenager, I started out doing stuff that was very much like Tracy Chapman. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then from there, I started doing stuff that was more like Curtis Mayfield. Okay. Oh, wow. Cool. Nice. And then from there, I started doing stuff that was more like the Sex Pistols. <laughs> so I kind of did this arc. I, did, I went really good, and I got really bad. It's... <laughs> so. What? You can plug this in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, it wasn't, so it wasn't folky folky like a Nancy Griffith or. Oh, I did folky folky that's, oh. at first. What happened yeah. was. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah, well, I did it at first, <laughs> and what happened was the, uh, the producers wanted to shape me more like uh, a boy band kind of front guy. Huh. And they wanted me to sound like a mix between uh, Justin Timberlake and Tom Petty, is what I can probably pull. Wow. Together. Yeah, and it was really weird. And then so the songwriting was actually really fun and it was really fun songs. There were a lot of there was a little comedy in there. But there was a guy I worked with one time and we there were actually two guys at the time. Um we worked on these songs and they were just amazing. And I went to his garage and literally wrote songs in his garage with him here in LA. Mm-hmm. And um those those songs actually were probably like the pinnacle of the of the weird Beck style that I got to. I got to oh, this cool. weird Weird Beck style, right? I and really that was like what Beck's doing right now. What's doing now too? I mean, you know, that last record, not the new one, but the one before, is Morning Phase. It's really good. Beck is is one of those guys that like I've genuinely liked everything that he's done, mm-hmm. and I've never bought yeah. a single. <laughs> like you know Radiohead. what I mean? It's like yeah, it's exactly. Radiohead. It's like yeah. it's like every time I hear a Beck song, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to ask uh, to follow up on that: the instruments you play. Uh, what don't I play? Nice. Okay, yeah, that, that explains it. Um, and I want to talk. Uh, you 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 blew past Robot Chicken. I want, how grueling is that pace? Okay, so Robot Chicken is is a totally different. It, it's evolved and changed over the years, but it's pretty much the same kind of situation where they make puppets and they they animate them and they. So I was a visual effects intern when I worked on Robot Chicken. Okay. Season four, uh-huh. and then I was a visual effects artist when I did the DC special and the um, uh, what was that other one? Uh, season seven, I think it was. I worked on a couple episodes for that. I, okay. I don't even know if they put my credits in the in the. Okay. I, you know, it's one of those things where like I was there working on Dinosaur Office, and then um, they also would throw me shots uh, for season seven and for DC special. So that's I I worked on those as a visual effects artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I pissed off the production. Actually, I made her cry. Production uh, coordinator, and uh, she was dating the visual effects supervisor. So Oops. they didn't want me. They didn't want me back. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I feel you on that. Yeah. yeah. As a visual effects artist at that time, were they having you do, you know, um, uh, the uh, digital compositing enhancements, or were you were you, were you getting to, to touch puppets? Like, what were you doing? 
Well, so what I was doing touch was I was puppets. <laughs> perverted. Pushy, yeah, right. pushing puppets. <laughs> no, you can touch them. Just that you gotta sign a waiver and uh, your right. rights and stuff. Well, these you days know, you, gotta you don't want to get sued. You touch. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Go ahead. No, uh, you gotta be careful how you talk to them too. You know. <laughs> or or uh, present yourself. <laughs> Well, you have to have a dignity and a manner that's becoming of a, a gentleman. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, but so anyway, the point is, uh, it was a lot of cleanup. So Robot Chicken tends to put a lot of wires in everything. There's wires in everything. So if, if there's something bouncing across the street, screen, guaranteed there's a rig or a wire. Um, the other factors end up being like cleaning up flicker or compositing shots um, where you're taking one element and bringing it into another element. Or you're building shots from the ground up. Uh, where they have maybe one or two elements, but the rest of the background or something else is completely virtual that you've made. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, crowd scenes or the 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 pyramid is behind these puppets, or yeah, know. or yeah, something's blowing up, you know, yeah. or you're flying through space. Like, how do you build space? You know, you you can't build it on a stage. You have to actually do background for that. So, John, when you went back to school, did you go to the art institutes? I did. Can we can we talk shit about them? Please let's do it. <laughs> God damn these guys, man! I just, Did you go? Did you go there? Yeah, I went. Yeah, that's where I got my which degree. part? Uh, which uh, one? Vegas. Mm. Uh, my degree is in visual effects and motion graphics. You took a gamble for real. I did. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we have some real degrees with like real jobs, and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it, give my, me this. my son went there, and uh, he's his degree is in game design, <laughs> oh. and, and he's working. But in he's some doing other, good. He's, yeah, he's yeah, doing something else, yeah. but. It's one of those things that we always talked about. It's like, you know, you, you never know. Like you were saying earlier, you never know where you, you're going to land. Right, so. right, yeah. Well, you know, I tend to make, I tend to piss people off and make people cry. So, uh, so I did that actually at the Art Institute. I, I had already had worked in the field for 10 years when I went to the Art Institute. And I had already had music videos on MTV and um, had commercials on major networks. So when you have a teacher sitting there telling you how something is, and you're like, no, that's not how that goes. Mm -hmm. and, then they tr and then you tell them, that's not how that goes. Then they challenge you, and then you <laughs> prove to them, and you pull up your IMD IMDB credits, and you basically tell them to eat shit, and you get a C in their class. So, right. you know, that's, that's kind of what I went through. I actually uh, I had, a, I had a, uh, a professor that, like, just loved me the first day he met me and hated me the second day. You know why? Why am I getting? I'm getting images of Herbert West in Reanimator <laughs> <laughs> yelling at the teacher, right? <laughs> oh, I, I full on, I full on uh, made a teacher cry because she, uh, she was actually a substitute. She Man, came in. I, she did. I, I see a pattern here of you making women cry, John. What the hell? <laughs> it's not just women. I just made a director cry recently, and it was a, a man. So it's, uh, it's you know the thing is the. <laughs> The world that we live in is very uh, a very difficult and harsh world, especially when you need to pay your bills. And people are not going to be happy if you can't pay them on time. Mm -hmm. So um, if I need to meet a deadline so I can get paid so I can pay somebody else, and that person's holding up the, the line, then I'm going to blast them. They need to move. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a matter of just sitting on your ass and, and playing with yourself. You need to get going. Right. You know, so. What's, what's the, the meme about uh, look good? Be sharp, be professional, and have a plan to kill everyone in the room. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I totally feel you on that because it's like we're at, – at some point we're running at this pace, right. you know, this this sort of level, 
and and it's it's a highly competitive field, and sometimes well, people need to just, as you say, well, just the, get out of the way. Just the very nature of production is like you know, like once once that trigger's pulled, shit's happening. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And 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 you have to you know you you have to stay on it, and and if you're um, I, I feel you about, uh, you know, like uh, uh, having to wait to get paid, you know, and it's like, what? You know, mm-hmm. like I just spent 18 hours, right. you know, building this fucking tank, <laughs> as an example. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes down I, to... I don't think he listens to the show, so... Yeah. It uh, comes down <clears throat> to fuck you, pay me. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, and well, that's, that's know, harsh sometimes. No, I don't, that's not where I'm at. That's not, I'm not a, a fuck you, pay me kind of guy. I'm actually more of a fuck you, pay the people that I hired. Well, that's where yeah, I'm. Yeah, sure, sure. I think that's implied. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you know, I get I get these jobs all the time where somebody comes in, they say, "Hey, this is uh, we've never done this before. Uh, we want to do this. We're pitching you here. What is the budget that you need?" And I say, "Okay, well, for exactly what I need to do this, I need this the X, Y, and Z." And they usually come to me with A, B, and C, not X, Y, and Z. And it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things where the communication in the industry is is very lax, adaisical when it comes to like this needs to be done a certain way. And they go, "Okay, yeah," and they just completely ignore you because they have their own concept or idea of what they want to do or how they think it should happen, and they're way off most of the time. So you have to really reel them in. You got to go, "Look, look, look, look." If if you want to go sit over and play basketball with somebody, that's fine. But we're over here. We're making stuff, yeah. and there's a deadline. You have to meet that deadline. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. if you fuck up, I fuck up, and then I yeah. people above me right. fuck up. It's a yeah, thing. exactly. And and you uh, aren't the one who's going to get. I'm the one who's going to get in trouble. You're not the one who's going to yeah, get in yeah, trouble. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you're the one that fucked up. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, we all fuck up. So regardless, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. So you yeah. try to be understanding, but on the other hand, there there are times, there are those times when you and you're already like you can't talk to me about how you you varied the way you packed my parachute right. on the way down. Exactly. You know. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. how much of that? Uh, and I think I I'm gonna be include you in it on this. Apparently. Okay. But how much of that attitude comes from having a background in martial arts where it's like, I know I need to deliver because it's my ass on the line. I know I need to be there when I'm supposed to. I know well, I need to come back. I know I need to perform. How much of that comes from street fighting or getting in a fight yeah. on a regular basis? That I mean, it, I, yeah, yeah, I feel you on that one. I, yeah. think, I think that that's, I, I, John's right. I think that that's the more pertinent question because a lot of times um, training, uh, martial arts training doesn't come until after that, mm-hmm. right? It's like, right. oh, I've got my ass kicked, or, right. or yeah. you know, you know sure. what I mean. And and so, uh, as I've said before, and I, people, some people disagree with me, but it, in 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 my opinion, most people who seek out martial arts training are broken in some way, or mm-hmm. bent, or have had something happen, or just had a lifetime of people shitting on them. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, well, there's a point in everyone's life where, and it happens a lot. To, to the people who at least enter the martial arts world, where they've at some point they've said, "Okay, I've had enough," right? And now I'm going to do something about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe that's the spark that I'm talking about. That the same spark that ignites that is the same spark that's going to tell you, 
have you tell someone to get the fuck out and, of your way. Right. And that's that's the production situation as well. So if you've been in a battle in a production and you've mm-hmm. done battle over and over and over again in a production, you learn how to roll with that person, you know, with mm-hmm. those people. So in my situation, I've learned how to roll with somebody that doesn't want to follow what I'm asking them to do, especially if I'm the boss. Yeah. And uh, and part of that, part of what makes you successful is being able to step up to the plate and being able to pull the strings and make those things happen. Because if that per- if that person's not going to listen, they're not going to move, and you need to move them. So you're just going to put your feet down, and you're going to push them through, you know. Right. Or you're right, going right. to pull them to the side and bring somebody else in. You need to get through those those productions and timelines, man. You set up a timeline. You can't you can't deviate from the timeline because you deviate from the timeline you fuck everybody mm-hmm. you know so that's how it goes and that's the same thing with martial arts you stand on the line and then you move to the side to avoid the avoid the hit and then you come in and you follow you know yeah, you can't yeah. just right. charge straight in yeah yeah I so. it, it's it's like um it's like when we're doing flow drills right you know we're doing yeah, uh, sensitivity drills flow drills you 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 have to have somebody that's working with you mm-hmm. if you don't. Then the that's film. when you have to. Yeah, that's whenever you you have to close the line and you have to put them down. What what did you train, John? So I've trained in a number of different things. Um, well, for one, I did a summer camp when I was a kid. I'll just add this in where they did uh, they did like multiple martial arts, and I think this is where my passion for multiple martial arts, kind of mixed martial arts, comes into. Uh-huh. Um, so we did everything from karate, judo, taekwondo, and a bunch of other stuff. Nice. Uh, sumo sumo wrestling, even. Nice. I I got my ass handed to me a lot there because I was like six years old. I wasn't even ready to be, I shouldn't have been even on the mat. What'd you uh, do this summer? I was a punching bag for I some older a, kids. <laughs> exactly. I was a so then, so then, you know, I actually, um, I think it was four years ago or five years ago, I started studying Aikido. Okay. After all this time, I stayed out of martial arts for a long, long time. I, and, re- I remember that. I remember when you started uh going back to classes and it was really yeah. cool it was really cool to see to see somebody like you know that that fire you know mm-hmm. that, that yeah yeah well aikido was aikido's great um so i did aikido for about a year and a half almost yeah about a about a year to year and a half and i got pretty far belt wise um or cue wise they call it cues i guess and uh, i learned a lot of the techniques there i did i studied at um culver city aikido here in la um, under uh, Sensei, um, man, I'm going to forget his name and I'm going to disrespect him. I don't want to do that. But uh, anyway, um, Matsuyoka Sensei. So uh, anyway, so I studied under him, who was the uke for uh, Steven Seagal. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. So I mean, and he, Steven Seagal, if anybody knows, is an asshole, but he's also <laughs> he's also one of the guys that brought Aikido to um, the, the awareness of the American population, if not the world, after it had been dormant for quite a while. Sure. And, uh, his style was hard style of Aikido, whereas Matsuyoka Sensei teaches more of a soft now. He used to teach the hard style, but now he's teaching more of a soft style. Um, so I learned that, and then I started getting frustrated because um, it's I Aikido. Couldn't... <laughs> well, <laughs> they they took all the good stuff out, and no, <laughs> they uh, they don't teach you how to punch and kick. Yeah, right. So, right. Uh, but they do have punches and they do have kicks. So that's really strange, right? They yeah. you use use a punch or a kick to distract or to manipulate. You're not actually really striking. Uh-huh. So uh, it's, it's just a distraction. So I wanted to learn how to actually throw a punch and a kick. So I went and did Sado Karate, which is a offshoot of Kyokushin Karate. Okay. And I did that for about a year. And then I got a blue belt. <laughs> and then um, I got tired of katas. And I wanted to uh, I wanted to study something 
and by the way, I was doing Aikido and karate at the same time. So I think I did about two years of Aikido. Oh, that's cool, though. That's yeah, a yeah, nice yeah. balance. That was, yeah, it was, cool. a, it was a really good balance, actually, because then you learn how to move out of the way and you learn how to strike. Yeah. So, I, and honestly, I think that's a – if somebody was going to go into martial arts, I think that the pairing of those two is really good for somebody that wants to do stand-up. It's, it's a good, uh, it's a good, nice round of things. So anyway, then I started realizing, well, shit. I don't know how to fight on the ground. Like, and I, whenever I was in fights as a kid, we always stood a lot. But then there was those fights when you ended up on the ground. You'd wrestled around the ground, and no one knew what they were doing. And I started watching uh, UFC, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I need to get into this." So I started studying um, uh, what do you call it? Grace, uh, not Gracie, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at um, Gracie Baja. It's actually Gerson Santiago's. I think his name oh, okay. is. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I studied under him for about three months, and then I was working on uh, uh, I was working in Burbank, and I went and uh, studied Tenth Planet Jiu Jitsu, and I did that for a year. Nice. Or maybe it was yeah, it was about a year, year and a half. I like what Eddie is doing. The idea that he's breaking it out of that what did that Bruce called the classical mess. Yeah, the classical mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. I like what Eddie's just stoned enough to come up with. <laughs> he's yeah, he's yeah. exploring outside the box. I love that. He's got Good shit, man. He's a good guy. But you know, the names of the, the naming convention for these moves are weird, wacky things yeah. like you know the chili dog and shit. It's like, oh, but don't right, you I think don't that know. that helps you remember them? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I always got hung up on yeah, the position one, position two. I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So um, then I uh, then I went to study uh, uh, at the Gracie Academy, uh, okay. Gracie, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And I cannot say enough good positive things about the, that academy and that school and that program and what they teach, because um, they like Henner and Huron and, and Elio are, are amazing at what um, um, Horion. No, sorry, I got mixed up. Horion, Horion, Huron, and Henner are amazing at what Elio had taught them and had perpetuated. You know, the Gracie family is amazing to begin with, but the Gracie Academy, like the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu itself. The, the combatives is uh, just so useful at a beginning stage of a martial artist, you know, because it's, it's very simple. They take from many different kind of avenues of jujitsu, judo, and wrestling, and it's, you can just apply it in a street fight, which none of the other schools had ever taught me how to do any of that stuff, like how to actually stand up in a street fight and how to fight in a street fight. Mm-hmm. And then I actually uh, I had to use it at one point. Um, I had to save a, a, a woman from being killed by her brother, you wow. know, so... Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing, and it worked. And uh, and then now I'm studying judo under um, Steve Seck over at LA City College right now. Okay, right on. Yeah. Nice, 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 yeah, nice, yeah. nice. Tom and I always we like judo. We like uh, a lot because we we love the idea of mm-hmm. hitting someone with a oh, planet. With a planet, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hitting that's them funny, with the planet. <laughs> um, well, I think it's that's kind of stuff. It's all. It's it's all. That idea uh, that helps the the creative part, right? The idea of prioritizing ideas and and well and and having to think on the fly and knowing that the best laid plans can easily change. And I think I think they're very similar in the way that absolutely it, it, it's it's uh, you know this is an analogy that people have used time and time again, but it's like blowing free jazz. It's like yeah, you learn yeah. you learn all these techniques, you learn the scales, you learn the notes, mm-hmm. and then. And 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 then you make songs, mm-hmm. right? And but then at some point you're going to just just go, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. go. And and I think that that uh, for me, all the rudimentary that, stuff. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say for me the, the 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 most valuable thing that you get from your martial arts training is the ability to 
um, seamlessly take that detour mm -hmm. when something when in any facet of your life when something comes at you and it's like oh shit this was my path mm -hmm. and now I have to deviate from that path you don't stop water doesn't think about having to no, go around right, right. the rock it just goes around the I rock I knew we'd end up in water yeah <laughs> well well you know it's it's you know getting hit by the planet how about getting hit by life and and having to adjust yourself sure. and compensate for that I mean I just went through and I don't know if you guys follow what I had I had gone through in the past year but I had a fatal car accident last year and I went and literally dived to the deepest ends of depression. Yeah, you and, were you were having a rough time. Oh man, I had no idea what was going on. I was live I was living through literal hell. And fi I mean, my wife the other night, I think it was last night, she goes, "Oh, remember the time on February where we went to the monster truck rally?" And I was like, "That was the best part of my whole winter, because I had been in total hell. You sit on the couch and just stare into space, and just you can't even contemplate life because you can't even live. You know, so." Those are the things that, like, you know, you want to talk about water. Sometimes the water gets stuck in a puddle, and you have to kind of push it through to be able to get, uh, you know, or get absorbed by the planet to, to get to the stream again, you know. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, it's, and in knowing that, that again, if that's the martial arts stuff, you, knowing that you can get into that trouble, and either through persistence or patience, you, you can find your, your way. You can find the rock you need to pull. Right. That opens the water up again and lets it flow. Yeah. So I think that's great. And especially in a creative, I'm trying to bring it back around to creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, um, because you, cause every day, like once you're in production, every day is, is just problems. Yeah. You know? oh, oh, yeah. Well, try animating 60 seconds in one day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going through that now. It's like, where do I find the time? Because I have to dictate to a bunch of other people what they need to do. Right. You know, and then then have to go and sit there and animate. And normal animation is ten ten seconds a day. But luckily, because of what the type of animation that I'm doing here, uh, with basically just dolls, is really simple, basic, rudimentary animation done at 12 frames per second, which that will save me from taking double frames of you know two frames per per uh, exposure. You know, right? So it's like, it's like uh, half of what. Some other production might be. I'm doing I'm doing like half of half of what the other production is doing. You know what I mean? Right, right. Keeping it extremely simple. And, and luckily, you know, the director, uh, the creative director wanted to do um, this really fast, cheesy, like, quick animation that you usually see with dolls being done. And I try to convince them, like, let's uh, put a little quality into this at yeah. least, you know. So yeah. that's where I'm at. Like, trying to find the medium between the two, two areas there. Right on. Yeah. Did... Uh, when I was a kid, I um, I was one of those guys that like you know I saw I saw the seventh voyage of Sinbad, and I was like, you know, it changed my DNA, right? Okay. And so I I uh, I always wanted to do stop motion animation, but at the time, um, you know, the only camera I had available to me was a um, an eight millimeter movie camera that did not have um, the capability for single frames, mm -hmm. uh, not even a super eight. It was at eight. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and uh, so I'd try, right? And and at that and at that time, that that camera was starting to go. It was already kind of an antique, you know. Right. And um, so it was hard to 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 get film processed. And well, the end result was I didn't get to do a lot of stop motion animation when I was a kid, like like some of my heroes did. Mm -hmm. And so I did 
endless flip books. Mm, uh, nice. I, I did flip book after flip book after flip book. And when I first started training in the martial arts when I was 14, I would use a flip book to do to draw the move. To draw the moves. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's a good idea. Oh, that's great. And it that's great. made me understand the move better, especially uh-huh. when it was some weird, you know, like, you know, flying 360 spinning <laughs> kick or some weird shit like that, right? And, right. and, and it's like, ah, I got to wrap my head around this. Did you, as an animator and as a, uh, somebody who trains in martial arts, have you ever done something like that? Some weird. Mix up between your your um, I'm using air quotes here art world and your martial arts world. Well, I just did that giggles episode where I had to have a fight sequence. Yeah, so, that was that was cool. So I threw a little Aikido in there. I threw a little uh, Marvels <laughs> <laughs> fake fake uh, fight, you know, wrapping around the head type of thing. Um, but there's you know that first move that she does where she like kind of pushes him, he flies across the screen is that's actually an Aikido move. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I like, I, you know, I do, I, I, I honestly, my wife does capoeira and and she's she's been doing it for quite a while. And I, I really want to do actually a capoeira, um, like a stop motion bachizado, which is like them them fighting and stuff. Mm -hmm. It would be, I think it would be beautiful because it's a dance, you know, is what they're doing. But the complexity of it, I almost want to do it in a uh, 360 degree kind of round table situation so you can go from any angle. And I think as an animator, that would help a great deal as well. So that way, you know, I wouldn't be necessarily concerned about the cameras as I like bumping them because it'd be a different, it'd be beyond your physical realm where you can, you, you kind of like in this um, cage, this lattice of cameras and you wouldn't bump them because they'd be so far away from from you. But you could literally go around the table and see every single aspect of the of the character and every single where they're touching or not touching or where they're planting their foot and be very precise and copy what a uh, a martial arts artist would do. I mean, you could do that with karate and judo and sure, any of those. Sure. Have you seen Keanu Reeves directed this Man Man of Tai Chi? Have you seen this? Yes, I've seen a little bit of that. Actually, all that computer controlled camera, putting the camera between the two fighters and all that other stuff. That was yeah. badass. Yeah, I, I really like the um, the television and film martial arts. Uh, it's just insanely uh, a lot of it's unpractical, is not practical, not realistic, mm-hmm. but it's just insanely like beautiful when you look at it as like a dance or a piece of artwork. Because like even the old kung fu movies where they're flying through the air, it's like oh my god, it's hilarious. But then you look at them like when they're sword fighting and they're mixing in their like their traditional tai chi with their kung fu and yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just, I mean it's just it's incredible. So. It's uh, what's that TV show into the West? Badlands thing. Oh, yeah, thing. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're I, doing a lot of really cool stuff. Which I have not, yeah, still to this day, I've yeah, not you know. seen. But so, it was, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. Have you seen Gotham? I've seen... No. I'm a huge Batman fan, but no. Okay. I've seen some of Gotham. I will, I'll spare you my rant on TV. Go ahead. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The fight sequence in Gotham are, like, so good. Like, really? They're, all, they're realistic fight sequences, God which is, is amazing. <laughs> It, I, I didn't think I would like it. I had to get through two episodes before, or three episodes before I got hooked, and I got hooked on the third, third or fourth episode. James Gordon, who who is, you know, of course, he's Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. He's Gordon, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I like him more than I like Batman at this point. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, he was always a badass in Gotham. You know, Batman's 
A kid. A kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like everything. Everything's I, being. It kills formed. me that they're already, I, you know, putting him into a little goofy suit, and he's like a teenager. Like, <laughs> Stop. You got to go away. I haven't even gotten there. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they keep. Sport. They keep hinting. Sorry, spoiler. They keep no, hinting a, that the kid is going to put on a cowl. And, right. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, oh, I mean, stop it. Okay with that. I'm okay with. That. I mean, look at the whole world that they're in. It's it's all sure. monsters at this point. All yeah, of them are criminals and yeah. insane. They all have to, all have to wear costumes. Well, so. that's the that's the thing that I find interesting about Gotham. I I don't watch Gotham on a regular basis, but um, but Jennifer, my partner, does, and so I catch bits and pieces of it. Right. And what what. <laughs> What My I, girlfriend's a vegetarian, so I'm a vegetarian. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what I get from it that I think is cool is, just like John says, the characters are monsters. Uh-huh. It's, 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 it's almost like a, a, a universal horror gathering. Monster Brawl. Of, yeah, exactly. You ever seen Monster Brawl? Yeah. yeah, I saw Oh, that's so funny. Speaking of monsters, John, I I had known you for a couple of years through online, uh, uh, just online. Um, but the first time that I think we actually physically met in person was Monster Palooza, right? Three for that quick minute, three, three years ago, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, three years ago. Um, and uh, and and John got me my very first press pass nice. at a convention. Nice, yeah. Hey, there you go. Look at that. Look at that. Because I was some of the perks of being a journal. Yeah. Well, yeah. because I was doing some articles for a magazine that you have. Hey. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Called uh, Stop Motion Magazine. Nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a question about that. Are you are you um, doing print or are you purely online? Oh. I, I have an, I, I, I have a, a feeling that this is a a a, um, a story. That okay. has many different things. Yes. So I just wanted be to be prepared. Yeah, exactly. I'll try to keep it short. I'll Go try ahead, to keep it short. Sure. Uh, so, um, you know, I did a Kickstarter 2016 for the 2017 year, and I completely, you know, when I did it, I didn't realize that I was in that crazy mental state of depression. So I had done one before, and it was successful, and I got everything out within time. But when you're depressed, you don't realize what's going on around you. So I, I was following Q, and I was doing my time, and I was getting it done, and, and then uh, stuff started hit, you know, shit hit the fan, and I just could not function. And then on top of that, I had to work. So I was working, fighting depression, and then going through complete hell. And I'll add to that all the, all the crazy, like, try to schedule a studio to do an interview with you when they're in production. It's almost impossible. Right. So anyway... So uh, I'm severely behind on the magazine. I'm actually like a year behind on the magazine. And um, I actually connected with somebody today to to do the design layout for me while I'm producing and directing. So I don't have to deal with the layout. I have all these interviews. I have all these magazine issues done. Um, but I don't have the actual layouts completed. Okay. So uh, I do print and I do uh, digital. Um, but what's going to happen in the future is probably I'm going to – and it's probably a good time to tell you guys this – I'm probably going to switch to do focusing on uh, creating a nonprofit organization that's going to um, be about spreading the art of stop motion and animation Sweet. around the world. Nice. So going into communities that don't have the privilege or the ability to be able to make animation and express their voices in that manner, because a lot of sure. times animation can be kind of a gentler way of telling about oppression or being... Uh, you know, affected by a negative society. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way of, of dealing with that. Also... Uh, I, I'm studying right now psychology, and, and I think it's a really good thing for sociology in situation where sociological situation where um, 
you know, given I'm a privileged person, I have a lot going on for me just by the color of my skin and where, how I grew up. So, and the country that I live in. So if I'm able to help other people that don't have the same advantages I, as I do, I'm all for that. So if I can do that and make their lives better, I can make my own life better and, sure. and the life of the world. So uh, that's my goal right now. And I'm wanted, And so magazine-wise, what I want to do is I want to kind of turn the magazine into a um, almost like a, a free publication because it was free for a while. I want to turn it back into a free publication where, one, I'm not burdened by deadlines of, of releasing these things. Mm-hmm. And two... Um, I can actually release stuff that will be not commercially focused because there's I think there's a problem with the mag and I'm sorry I got the story going for you guys but uh, I think there's a problem when you run a magazine and you're focused on trying to get ad revenue and you're trying to promote uh, big business where the little guy doesn't necessarily get a voice so I would much rather have a, a promotion of the little guys as a community. And the big guys to help fund that kind of push. So the nonprofit's actually a great concept to be able to go into other countries or even small communities and, and teach animation and spread the word of, of love, peace, and animation. So, huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, uh, you're you're preaching to the choir a little bit, Tom. Uh, oh, publishing is a hellish landscape of failures <laughs> <laughs> and bankruptcies and and, yeah. and being at the at the mercy. I, I had someone. Um, back in the 90s, we published a dark art journal called Carpe Noctum. So I had people, printers, where I walked up and handed them, the, back in the day, the SideQuest cartridge. Right. Them calling me an hour later saying, I'm a Christian, I can't publish this. Oh, <laughs> Talk about get out of the way and being, you know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I agree. There's a lot of times in publication where you're forced by economics to... Um, let's say you're dealing with the studio and the studio says, yeah, we'll give you a grand for a one-page ad, but it would be sure be nice if you talk to this guy. And, yeah, and, yeah, this yeah. Guy. and then that starts to shape sort of the trajectory of where you, as the creative person and whose real ass is on the line, In, wants the, the publication Indirectly, your mission changes, mm-hmm. even though yeah. you don't want it yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I would love for a studio to give me a grand for a one-page ad. That would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> well, I was yeah, going to yeah. say, I was going to say, it's <laughs> it's probably it's probably very different now. Um, uh, this was something that it was it was difficult. You know, when when I was uh, doing articles for you, John, I I, I talked to these guys, and um, they they didn't know. You know, they didn't know that you know Stop Motion Magazine was basically this one man show. Mm-hmm. And so they'd be like, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd interview them, I'd send you the article, and, and they'd be like, hey, man, when's that article coming out? Right, you know, right, right, how right. many free copies can I get, et cetera? Oh, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and I'd be like, dude, like, <laughs> like I, I don't know Take when it's going to... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John's working by himself. Just relax. <laughs> it'll be yeah. it'll be out. It'll be very cool. Well, it's hard because there's an expectation. With us, we started. My wife and I, everything was based off of our personal checking account. Right. And we're out there, and because of we were savvy enough to know, like you, you got to present, you know, your best front. Right. All you know, all of these. There was this assumption made that like, oh, these guys got money to burn. Yeah. And You're it's a like, corporation, oh, dude. No, no, yeah. I'm not. And I used to get it. A lot. We had a core audience of a lot of goth um, and industrial people, and um, 
I used to get a lot of it about how, like, oh, dude, when we started to bring, like, studio money in and we would right. interview, like, Rodriguez or someone else, um, they would be like, oh, you're totally selling out the scene, man. Oh, jeez. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, the scene is is not paying for my top ramen. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, you know, it's it, the whole magazine thing is actually, like, the only reason I did it was because I couldn't get anybody else to do it. I kept right. begging other people. I, I went to Mark Spess, if you know who he is, and yeah. I asked him, I said, hey, man, would you be interested in making a magazine? Because you, you have this passion. He's like, no. <laughs> so I, I hear you. you. Know, well, and you might not remember the conversation, but there's been other people too that like I I approached and I was like, hey, can you do this? Can you produce this? And no one wanted to do it. And I was like, well, I need I need this in my life. So why don't I just make it? And that's sure. why I just just finished Robot Chicken season four, and I uh, I was hired and then told that my position didn't exist anymore for uh, mm. Titan Maximum. I was supposed to work on that as a visual effects artist, and they they basically fired the whole department. So uh, yeah. before it even started. And so, you know, I was like, hey, I guess I'll just do this instead. And it worked out. It worked out great for that point. But now I'm at a whole other phase. I mean, right. after the accident and, and going through this year of craziness and then just seeing actually how the industry has changed. I just went to New Mexico, not New Mexico, Mexico City for Stop Motion MX. And the culture down there is actually what's inspired this, uh, this um, nonprofit kind of concept because mm. they're, they love stop motion beyond what any American I've ever met loves stop motion. Dude, I mean, some of the coolest stuff is coming out of uh, Mexico and South America, just on a yeah. regular, almost, almost weekly basis. Something yeah. comes up, and I'm just that that puts my jaw on the floor. And just well, like, I can't even keep up with these guys. Right, like, they're, they're literally posting stuff on like an hourly basis, and you go, "Where was this? Where did? Uh, why haven't I seen that?" And I'm trying to be the guy in the know running this magazine, so I'm like, <laughs> I got my hands in everybody's pockets, looking, "Hey, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got?" Yeah. And Every day I have like five new videos that are professional level, high quality stuff that's being made by maybe one or two people. And you go, and it's taken them months to make it and they've either been doing it in secret. And you know, that's the language and the culture barrier that we face as Northern Americans, you know. Um, we, we end up uh, being so set in what our media has fed us, it becomes harder for us to pull the media aside and go behind it and find actually what we're more interested in than what the media is feeding us. Right, you know? right, right. It was it was on that trip. You met Alba, didn't you? Oh, well, I've, I've been Facebook friends with Alba for years. But, right. Um, I finally met her. She is my new best friend. Her <laughs> and uh, pa- Pablo, both are like my buddies now. So Yeah, she she's her enthusiasm is infectious. It's like... Uh, uh, she's a lady in New uh, York. Who, give me your name. Her full name, Alba. Um, I, Garcia. Yeah, Alba. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. And and she um, she's like a lot of stop motion animators out there right now who just <laughs> red eyed and bleary. Well, they, yeah, the red eyed <laughs> and bleary. But they but they have this passion and and it's like there's no studio, there's no backing, yeah. there's no oh. you know you do a Kickstarter or whatever it is you need to do, and you you have this fucking story to tell and it, it as we've talked about before I, I i think stop motion is the purest form of cinema that you can do mm-hmm. because you are literally crafting each frame right. you know? every single element is handmade yeah pretty and, much exactly it, yeah it's the only art form that incorporates every single art art form or anything that ever basically you can use anything that's man-made or natural to make yeah. For stop motion, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's every single art form in one art form. 
it's pretty amazing. So. Yeah. One of the things I saw in your your IMDb is that you worked on the Aquabat Super Show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that show, and I don't understand why more people it isn't you bigger in the zeitgeist. It's, it's it's funny. The other day, I was like, it's I was, so silly. I was walking around, and I had Super Rad stuck in my head, right? <laughs> and I, so I'm walking around the house, and I'm like, tell your mom, tell your dad, and. And and no one else in the house knew yeah, what the no. hell I was doing. I showed doing. it to when I first discovered it. I showed it to people, and they were like, "What?" They're like, "What is this? The monkeys?" <laughs> uh, it well, is basically. It is. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I'll be a little controversial if I talk too much about that show, but I can tell you this: like, there were a number of situations why the Aquabats Super Show did not exceed in uh, in in the United States. It, it was huge in Australia. But Australia has a very small population, right? Right. So um, part of the problem with the Aquabat Super Show was that it was on the Hub Network, and the Hub promoted the shit out of it, but they didn't anticipate that they were going to collapse. So the Hub Network basically was collapsing. Um, the budget on the Super Show was extremely small, very tight yeah. budget, um, which in ways made it great. Because yeah, it's part of the charm. Right. Exactly. And, and I love work, and this should go, go tell everybody this. I love working on low budget stuff. I love it. It's one of the, it's one of the most fun things to do. That's one of the things I have a passion for is low budget. It doesn't pay the bills in Los Angeles, but right. it's a great fun thing to do. Part of the reason why I keep trying to convince my wife to move out of the, out of LA to like middle of nowhere so I can just make shit, you know? Right. Exactly. Uh, Come yeah. to Bellingham. Hey, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, the other problem why the Aquabat Super Show didn't do well was because of the Aquabats. So, yeah. and this is the controversial side that I'm going to start talking about. Uh, basically, it's going to rip the, the lid off of the Aquabats. I, bam! I can a little <laughs> the bit. The world has been waiting. <laughs> the Aquabats. The Aquabats are probably the sweetest, nicest, most caring, and um, uh, how do you say say it? Like uh, just very peaceful people. They're, they're just never any conflict that I've ever experienced between myself and them. It's one of those productions that I had never had to get in a fight with any single, single person that's in the whole production. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful family of people that kind of work together in the Aquabat. That's also their downfall because they don't have the proper people underneath them in some areas, given the director is amazing. Jason, the director is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Eddie, Eddie uh, Geraldo, who I worked with, uh, amazing as well. And, Amazing. They're all amazing guys, but they just don't have. There's not enough money underneath them to like buy the right type of people to push things through. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they don't have the proper um, uh, organization and management abilities within their group to be tough. You have to be tough in this industry, and they're they're very not. They're not tough in the right places. They're tough in the wrong places. So when decision gets made, it gets made usually based off of economy and because they're such a tight budget and also their own personal biases and so that actually caused a lot of issues for season two uh they're basically basically their budget got cut in half because somebody pulled out and um they it it just got really screwed over they got screwed over basically for season two and in the long run actually or not the long run in, in that situation um, I got screwed over. Another a bunch of other people got screwed over. Not the Aquabat screwing us over, but the situation screwing us right. over. Sure, sure, and, sure. And uh, there was some hard, tough uh, days there on season two, trying to get shit together. I had to, I had to direct and produce a uh, and animate a sequence that took me five months to make because um, the person that was supposed to produce with me took off and disappeared, 
and then came back and then would take off when he was supposed to be working with me. And then, yeah. and then they, well, you know, there was all sorts of shit going on. Honestly, uh, luckily I had a great crew that I hired. They came in and they built stuff for me and uh, that was pretty awesome. But you know, it's one of those things like season one, it was a dream. Season one was a total dream. He's, uh, the only problem was it took me two hours to get there and two hours back. So Ooh. my commute was a four hour day on a 16 hour day. So I had okay. 20. Hours. Um, yeah, it was tough, but it was one of those dream situations, one of those great jobs that you go look back and go, wow, I did this. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, like you, you, you got to, you know, there were there were rubber monsters, there were yeah. cities, all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy, yeah. crazy stuff. That would be a, an interesting interview to to interview somebody like the Aquabats and like, how do you decide? How do you decide? Because you obviously are good musicians. How do you decide that you become this I don't want to say novelty but uh, this kind well, of I would say it's a it's definitely pitched at a, an audience and that audience isn't isn't exceedingly old yeah <laughs> well, well actually what happened was they had had a show pilot for a while and they kept shopping it around and finally somebody said yes so it's kind of what hap- had happened they had actually you can look up the uh, original aquabat pilot on uh, YouTube it exists oh cool and, yeah but you know the thing is Season one would have, I'm going to take some ego here and I'm going to push my own agenda, but uh, season one would have never happened if it wasn't for me. They yeah. called me up, they called me up and they said, Hey, John, I had not known these guys actually. They had called me up and said, John, we need somebody that's a really good visual effects artist that can come in here and save our ass because we hired a company in Ireland that's fucking us over. And, and I literally went in there and redid shots that from the ground up that this company in Ireland basically didn't produce properly. And uh, and the hub network was not going to pick up their show, so I went, literally they called me. I came in, fixed the shots, fixed the show, and then they sent it out. And then six months later, I was on the season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well, like I say, I I, I stumbled upon it, and um, it was just wacky enough. Uh, well, Tom and I are both, you know, we're, we're huge fans of um, horror hosts. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And there's there's something about uh the Aquabat show. It's very Spengooly, it's very very monkeys, yeah, it's very like, yeah, it's it, it's uh uh and I love and I'm always a big fan of essentially a ch- a children's show. Um I adore the little jokes that get dropped that they yeah, know yeah, you know yeah. the kids aren't going to get but Simpsons does it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, the, the kids aren't going to get this, but here, this is one for the parents. Right. Those yeah. are the ones I absolutely love. That goes the, back to Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The Warner Brothers stuff was full of that. Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't for kids. It wasn't meant for that. It was meant for adults, actually. So, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, same thing with Tom and Jerry, but Tom and Jerry actually was started their first couple shows, then they started getting more towards kids when they found out the kids liked it. So. Mm-hmm. I think with the advent of TV, you saw a lot of that stuff where it wasn't being played in theaters anymore, you know, as, as like middle racks for dude, whatever. Dude, one of my big, my, my dreams is to do a, a, like a show like the Aquabats, but not musicians, of course. Um, you can have music in there, but you know, like the, uh, the banana, was it the banana split? The banana the splits, man. Yeah. Talk about so, funny. So, oh my oh, God. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it had, it, yeah. it had all those, uh, it had, you know, it had those different segments, right? You had the, like, yeah. do you remember, the, like, the weird Tom Sawyer thing where it was, like, live-action kids in this animated world? <laughs> yes. It was like, whoa! So and then Jan Michael Vincent in... The, uh, the, the Stranger Island. Uh, no, Danger Adventure, Island. Adventure Island? Danger Island? Danger Island. Something. Danger uh, Island. Oh, Chongo. 
Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. so weird. But I, yeah. I hear you. That sort of there's that there's a charm to it that's kind of cool. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, it gives you that whole like warm feeling inside. I don't know if that's a like a, a an age thing, like being a kid of the '70s or the '80s. But it, definitely, it's something that feeds that like inner inner child. You know, mm-hmm. you go, "Ooh, I like that. I want to hug that." You know, it's like yeah. I want that. Those monsters on Aquabats, you just want to hug them all, even though they were bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was almost like plushies that had been right. you know, made bigger and bigger, <laughs> <made> bigger. <laughs> to the point of fearsome and scary. Yeah, yeah. And so many of the nods were to the gaiju, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so much fun stuff. Uh, let's see. What What about Blank, a vinyl? Of, oh, my God, yeah. That, uh, vinyl, similar situation. I came in to save that production as well. So. You, you need a cape. <laughs> well, I, I kind of get called when everybody else see. I'm the guy that yells, and um, and it, that's the thing. I mean, not that I yell, but I'm the guy that actually you can call up and say, "Hey, we're fucked. We need somebody to help us." And I'm the I'm that guy. And the problem is with some of these productions is the people that are running them. They're not used to somebody being a hard ass, and I have to be that guy to get things going. So, but luckily, the Vinylmation, a love story. I didn't need to do that with those guys at all. Really, what happened was. They had an art director that that had the whole budget spent in like two weeks, and um, and they had been sitting on the production for about a year, I think, if I remember correctly, and they couldn't get anything done because they just didn't have a way to make the puppets properly. They didn't have uh, they had they didn't have storyboards. Put it to you that way. Ouch. Um, wow. So I literally went in there and I said. You guys need storyboards. Uh, you need me to make puppets for you, and we need to start building sets and props right away. And so they said, sure. And that's what happened. I, I basically came in as a technical consultant, but I ended up doing a lot of the build with them. Um, I built basically 90% of all the puppets that they used, and then um, which were vinyls and, and custom vinyls um, we converted. And then on top of that, we ended up going and, uh, God, what else did I do for them? I did some animation with them with Matt Manning and uh and Fonz my friend Fonz and uh yeah so I mean that one was one of those ones where they you get called up hey I need help so it's amazing though Disney Disney jobs are like one of those ones where they're either amazing or they're nightmares so and that was one of those amazing ones cool Mm -hmm. so I wanted to ask you about a couple of projects in particular okay um and uh the first one that I that I wanted to bring up was um Helen back. Oh God, I'm wearing that T-shirt right now. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was really excited because I was talking to Webster um, Callcourt whenever whenever this came out, and uh, 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 it's an R-rated. It's raunchy. It's fun. Seen it? It's, huh? Seen it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's the worst film I've ever seen or worked on. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I'm the guy that, like, hey, man, there's a stop-motion, you know, monkey in this 30-second commercial. Hey, I'm yeah. all over it. I'm into that, but, I mean, uh, being raped by a tree is not a funny joke. You know, it's just not funny. It's it's offensive, actually, and and the whole movie is, is extremely offensive. You don't want to like any of the characters except for Augie, who's the fat guy, and you want him to hook up with a demon, which he does. I'm sorry, spoilers, but overall... <laughs> You did. <laughs> Overall, the whole the whole fucking movie is a waste of time. It's like not even worth watching, other than if you want to watch how pretty it is, because it's amazingly it gorgeous. Is, film. It is. It is beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So um, the, it reminds me of Marquee. If you've ever seen Marquee. Yes, exactly. The puppet movie. The, the puppet movie where um, the Marquee decides. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And let me say, let me say real quick, the, the directors of that of that film of Helen Back, they're really smart, creative guys. They're really nice. I I have a feeling because it got rewritten and rewritten and rewritten, and because of all these rewriting processes that keep happening with no single person really that's a, a subjective outsider going, don't do this. They kind of just got screwed over by themselves by rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and not actually yeah. getting to the, the story. So too many cooks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, Sam Koji Hale's uh, Yamasong March of the Hollows. Okay. Um, what were you doing on that? I did a couple shots for him. Um, I basically, uh, you know, Sam called me and said, hey, I need some help on some visual effects. So I did maybe two or three shots. The problem, the problem with that production was uh, hand puppeting is against green screen is extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. And it takes a lot of it takes a visual effects supervisor that's, you know, on it. And um, they had some, they had a lot of cleanup and there was a lot of problems with hand tracking. So they, you know, when you're moving the camera across, right. uh, if you don't have enough tracking dots or tracking information, you end up having to hand track stuff. Sure. So um, I actually had to hand track uh, maybe three different shots for them to get the visual effects in there. And literally it was just basically like, hey, you know, Sam, you want me to do a couple shots? to do a couple shots for you. I didn't want to get paid. Honestly, I, I volunteered to do it for him. I was like, dude, it sounds like you need some help. Let me jump in. But he ended up paying me at the end of the day, which caused a problem with the producers. They weren't happy with that. But his, you know, Sam's, Sam's a really good guy. He's a really sweet guy. He's a, a highly intelligent, very smart, very creative artist and director. Um, doesn't, get the, doesn't get the credit that he's due. Him and I worked together on Tumble Leaf. And... Um, I actually, because I was a supervisor, I was basically a supervisor. I was a lead visual effects artist, but I was, they told me I was a supervisor, if you can go, go with that. But uh, you know, him and I would go to blows at times on that show because he was worried of, and working on Yamasong at the same time. And it was literally like, well, you've got to pick a focus here, buddy. You know? so, but yeah, sure. yeah he's, that, he's a great guy, though. But. And that brings up the, the third uh, title that I wanted to talk to you about. That is Tumble Leaf. Okay. Um, Tumble Leaf. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, available on Amazon. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Amazon Prime. Okay. So, so it's it's one of those products that people kind of have to go and look for. Right. Exactly. Uh, but it is beautiful. Gorgeous. It is yeah. gorgeous. It is like it. it uh, as far as like a, um, you know, a, a stop motion. Uh, Regular prod, you know, like like a, a, a something that's being done on a regular basis. It is amazing. Talk about Tumble Leaf if you could. It's one of the most difficult productions to actually have to to work on because of the how much needs to be done on that show. You know, there's so much. There's so many people involved. Um, I think it's more difficult to do Tumble Leaf than it is to do Robot Chicken. Yeah. But in the production sense, but I don't think legal legal. I think Robot Chicken has a lot more legal issues. <laughs> but of course, uh, Tumble Leaf uh, Tumble Leaf production wise is so intense with the build process and the design phase and the execution and the animation and the cleanup and the, the visual effects and and I mean there were times where um, uh, Brian Kokoschka and myself um, get mad I said his name wrong but uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, we would have meetings after everybody had left and go, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> because it would be literally like there's, they would say, we want this. You know, you have a supervisor or a producer or a writer or a director or whoever says, we want to do this. 
and you sit there and you go, okay, sure, yeah, I'll do that. And then behind closed doors, you go, how the fuck are we going to make that? Right. You know, it's, that that's never been done before. So how do we do that? So and that's one of the things with season one. We did a lot, we broke a lot of ground with season one. Season two was was. Season two was one of my worst nightmares, um, you know, because I, I actually had a battle. One of the reasons why I'm not there is I had a battle between a really good friend of mine who's no longer, who probably no longer considers me his friend, and um, another individual who I had worked with for years who I tried not to get back on staff. So there was actually, between those two guys is why I'm not back at that show, because I had a conflict with them both one day, and, and I told them, told them to fuck off, sit down at their job. So... <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's why I'm not on Tumbleweed. Here's the confession, you know. But really, really, it comes down to uh, that is one of the most beautiful, sh- beautiful shows I've ever worked on. It's one of the ones that I kind of hold with pride that I had done a good job. Kelly Bixler, uh, she's amazing, and then Drew Hodges, they're amazing people. You know, all, all everybody there is is pretty pretty freaking stellar, pretty awesome. And then the girl that took over my seat as a lead visual effects artist, really talented girl, um, a woman, uh, Amanda. She's amazing. So. You know, they're in good hands. They're doing great. And that show, I mean, honestly, I didn't want to do the show, but um, it's one of those situations where you go, okay, you want to pay me to do this, I'll do it. Sure. Cool. Yeah. We know what we we know what we are, and now we're just haggling on That's a price. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, uh, uh, where can people find out what you're doing now? Um, contact the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's no. a post office. There's a bunch of pictures on the wall. Like, yeah, uh, well, for example, is there is there a next issue of the magazine planned? Uh, that type of thing. Yes. So okay. So I actually the last thing I had been working on was this giggles animation, and then um, I had worked with Crypt TV, and there's probably not going to be any more giggles episodes, unfortunately. But um, while I was doing giggles, I was doing a whole issue, uh, and I had finished the issue, and then I ran into some legal issues with with the production company, and I said. All right, I'm not even gonna name who the production company was or what the, what the issue was, but I literally said, "Nope, fuck you guys. I'm not. I'm not playing your games." So I shut that issue down. So that delayed a bunch of issues, a bunch of stuff. The next issue is actually Buddy Thunderstruck with Stupid Buddy Studios. Yeah, should, should have come out three months ago, honestly, um, or even earlier. Uh, I actually handed it over today to a uh, a, a layout designer. And he is going to uh, hopefully get back to me in a week where he gets stuck. I told him, just keep going until you get stuck. And when you get stuck, let me know. And then we'll, we'll hash it out and figure out where you're stuck. And we'll try to move forward. So it's in the hands of design right now. And then there's another issue that I'm probably going to try to, after I finish this, uh, this go-around for this production I'm doing now, in December, I'm going to try to get an issue out in January. So basically, I want to get an issue out in December, an issue out in January, and an issue out in February. So January is actually probably, hopefully going to be a um an armature issue so it's basically armature, armature. yeah talk to so, talk to tom man tom Briarton. i already have <laughs> <laughs> so i talked to mckinnon and saunders uh there's quite a few people on there so there's a couple more people i need to get a hold of but really i want to do an armature issue um and then i don't know what's going on with early man if i'm going to do an issue with them uh you know artemis early man right. i might do it's uh, it's up to them if they want me to do one because uh, I'm open to do it just as long as they send me the stuff in time. Like the Kubo one, I, everything was advanced, but right. by the time by the time they got me everything, it was too late. I was like, guys, I, the movie comes out in two weeks, and you got me this stuff like two weeks before. I got to make an issue in two weeks. I can't do that. So yeah. it's it's one of those things. Anyway, so those are the situations that go on. Well, I and, I, I will say that. Um, 
the the people that I I talked to when I was writing articles for you who were the most excited about the magazine were people who are making the stuff, you mm -hmm. know, the yeah, the, the yeah. animators because they're like, "Oh my god, there's never been, you know, like I wish this had been around when, yeah. you know, at at blah blah or, time." Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's uh it's a situation that we have a situation with with a lot of the people that we find that are listening to us are the people that are involved in they they know right. who Kevin McTurk is. Right. They exactly. Yeah. They're peers. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. and uh and and that's great because yeah. that's that's kind of the people you want to impress. I mean, it's not going to make you a lot of Money because it's a small, uh, it's a smaller. I'm not out to impress anybody, honestly. At this point, I probably blacklisted myself in the whole industry. But right, right, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. if anything, the only reason I'm I'm really doing it now is to educate. I I want to educate. It's, that's really all I'm doing and promote people that like believe in. Look, man, if if we had if if people had stayed silent about stop motion, if Dragon Frame didn't exist and we didn't have digital cameras, it would still be around. Yeah. It would be such a private thing in the back alleys somewhere. But now that we have all this digital access to making these things, we're able to make these at a fast rate and and get it exposed through YouTube and all these other avenues. Why not promote it? Why not, like, yeah. hey, check this out. Check that out. It's you know? something that I say to writers all the time and, and actually a lot of creative people, and that is – Odds are you're not going to make a, a dime off of this. So my question is, why aren't you swinging for the fences? Right. Why are you pandering to something you think everyone's going to like when instead you should listen to your heart and the thing that got you yeah. into it in the first place? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, forget about, forget about winning that Stoker. Forget about you know, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know the 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 you know. Thousands of dollars. I was going to say millions, but the thousands of dollars that you're going to get on your first book advance from some big publisher. Yeah, Forget about happens. all that shit and just think about what is the coolest, most awesome, kick-ass, badassery thing that you can do. Yeah, do that. I agree. Well, you know, I make money as a director producer now. I don't. I'm. I don't make money off the magazine. The magazine actually is a burden. I actually pay out of my pocket. Even sure. though people, even though people, you know, this last Kickstarter, uh, the total. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was ten or thirteen, but basically the goal was ten, ten thousand dollars. That ten thousand dollars, I'm actually putting other money into this, into the magazine to make sure. it happen. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I'm actually using my own money, and so people don't actually understand that. They go, "Well, we paid for this. We want this." It's like, yes, you oh, will dude. deserve this because you paid for it, but I also have to pay for it too. So, and then, so I actually make money as a director and a producer and as an animator and as a builder, and and part of that whole process is being able to like. You know, take what I've built, what I've learned, and what I've done, and be able to spread the information to other people. All righty, man. Thanks. We're 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 out of time. Um, thanks again. We have got to have you back, and, we, and I'd like sure. to do. I'd love to do a uh, like a dissection of like a like a Seven Forges Sinbad or something like that. Oh fuck yeah! Some some stop motion Please. thing that we can go through it. How about how about uh, First Men on the Moon? That one's amazing, dude. And, yeah. and it's one that no one talks. No one about. talks about. Oh, but I, I I've been listening to. There's a um, there's a podcast out there called How uh, How Did This Get Made? Yeah, and and what they do is they they pick a film, everyone watches it, and then they, they talk specifically about that. Um, and I like that idea. I yeah. think we might try an episode or two of that. Oh, call me for that one. I'll be I there. Do that. Okay. Alrighty, cool. man. Thank you All again. Right. Right, uh, we will be back in just a second.
so we're back. Yeah. Again. It, it's 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 always it's I love talking to friends on this show, you yeah. know, because it's like uh there's there's it's one thing when you're talking to somebody that you've never talked to before, mm-hmm. but it's great whenever you can. You, there's like a shared story. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, that time we got drunk, and you remember that? <laughs> and Tijuana, they're like, no, I'm like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's always it's good, and it, it can be harder because there's a common language that it's a shorthand in all friendships that happen. Right. Um, so you try to keep that under control and try to stop to explain things, but. Um, but it's also a, the idea of saying, here's someone I've always known is the shit, and now I get a chance yeah, to present exactly. it to the world. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. great. Moving on to second hour step. Let's see. Um, just a couple of deaths this week. Uh, jo- John Hillerman Higgins from Magnum P.I. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was an elderly man. Um, it, interesting that they just announced that they're rebooting Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I., yeah. And uh, you, know, you wonder if one led to the <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What?! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, there's no way. There's no there's way. No way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, Chuck Mosley, who was uh, the uh, uh, one of the singers for Faith No More. He was a young guy. He was in his 30s, I want to say, 30s or 40s. Yeah. Um, a lot of my the people we know in um, Portland were talking about it, so I guess he's a local there. Yeah. And then... Um, Finally, someone who I'm shocked at the amount of people that are talking about this guy than the fact that he died. And that's Ray Lovelock, who is, I I think, best known for things like um, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. And he was in one of my favorite Policia Teshis of all time. He's an Italian guy. Yeah. Um, We've mentioned it before. Live like a cop, die like a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But he's one of those, you know, strikingly good-looking guys they sure. did a lot of Italian cinema that um, there was a lot of those guys there was in a Italian. lot of those guys yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were like Thomas Milan just died and a couple of these other guys Franco Nero still kicking around yeah. those kind of guys but there was that era you know man do you remember do you remember Enter the Ninja yeah with Franco Nero yeah Franco <laughs> Nero it was so funny because he's this older man and he'd be like oh I'm Ninja and whatever and you'd see him in this stuff where you could kind of recognize his eyes yeah and then the martial arts happened and suddenly you couldn't see like, any of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, um, did I mention this here? No, I didn't. Later. Uh, there's a new trailer out for this Go Shao Dao thing. Yeah. Which it's, it's his who, it's an expendables of martial arts. It's, right. It's Jet Li, it's Donnie Yen, Sammo Hung, Sammo Hung, uh, Yun Wu Ping yeah, is in yeah, it. Yeah. And I, I thought, why does one of these guys who I've never heard about look familiar? And it's Jack Ma who essentially is this fucking rich guy in, in Hong Kong right. who has just gone, I want to be a martial arts hero, <laughs> and I want to further Tai Chi. So he threw millions down, and Jet Li's on. Sign away! <laughs> and everyone signs up. And now there's scenes in this in this trailer of Jack Ma beating this, like beating Jet Li <laughs> handily. <laughs> And you're like, mm. yeah. I, I don't think I mentioned that. Oh my god, it's look it up. It's yeah. it's Gao Shao Dao. I don't know. Guardians of Martial Arts, I think, is the translation. But it it's it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it's just so funny. It's like I want to be a martial artist. Yeah. Uh, moving on to news. Early reactions on Justice League are quote it's fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> and another one said, quote, narrative, it's a mess, but the characters are cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the way I feel about all this. Like, it was the reason why I disliked... Um, so, so my favorite Spider-Man movies are the Sam Raimi ones, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and the third one. Uh-huh. I just felt like, why do the, why do they feel the need to do this? Yeah. Let's let's pile on more villains, more characters. Well, it's, more... That, it's that formula, right? It's it's like the first film you face one guy, right? <laughs> the yeah. second film you face two guys, right? Exactly. Because it, it like the, look at the Batman movies. It was exactly that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I'm I'm interested. It's kind of peripherally. Um, and and watching, I just saw Jason Momoa and Graham Norton, <laughs> and it's hilarious. Because <laughs> it's, it's a it's a panel show, so right. it's him and Hugh Grant and some British actress, and and this woman is just beside herself, you know, because there's Hugh Grant on one side right. and Jason Momoa who looks cartoonishly large on this couch. <laughs> At one point, he he speaks Death Rocky to her. And you can just hear it's like an Amelie where she becomes the water hits right. the floor she becomes water. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, let's see, Steve Pink who did uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. So there's a recommendation. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's adapting Hunter S. Thompson's The Curse of Lono. So oh, it's Thompson. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he's Thompson's been fairly well represented. I yeah. think on screen. Um, even even going back to where the buffaloes from, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I always feel like that people, people, you know, the the whole story's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, we get more from the documentaries, of which there are yeah, several yeah, yeah, at several. this point. Um, and having said that, the the narrative things have done a great job, mm-hmm. you know. Of yeah, I think uh, Fear and Loathing, Loathing is excellent. Yeah, there, there's just so much in Fear and Loathing. Um, but you know. You're hard pressed to find a prettier film than Rum Diary. Yeah. Um, the colors and and just watching, you know, Johnny Depp within the course of the film, watching D- Johnny Depp and Amber Heard fall in love. Yeah. You know, because they got obviously got married and then they got divorced. Right, right. But but watching that, it's there's it it presents this intangible and the cinematographer. It's just it's just a beautiful film yeah. and it's too bad. You know, it, it didn't perform well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm down for anything Hunter S. Thompson sure. involved. Um. May mark your calendars. May sixth, twenty eighteen is Talk Like Frank Nelson Day. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> and and that'll be you know that'll be the thing is like we'll all be doing our our <laughs> imitation and failing horribly. If you don't know who Frank Nelson is, look first of all look him up. But he was this dude that used to show up on sitcoms like Jack Benny and right. Uh, he, I just saw a bunch of stuff where him with him on Sanford and Son. He was a fairly regular character on yeah. Sanford. And when it, it was always this situation where it was like, you know, they go to get coffee and it's like, uh, oh, I, I got to talk to this barista. I'm making this up. But when they would ask him something, he would turn around and it was Frank Nelson. And yeah. he would have that, that trademark. Yes. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Really smart assy. And, and yeah, um, yeah I, I saw this on Facebook and I'm like, more than talk like a pirate day. I'm oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so down. Can you imagine a whole day of people? <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, also, the, coming up next, let's see. Uh, get your scorecards. King Kong musicals coming to Broadway in fall of 2018. 
Is this different than the than the the King Kong thing that like I've been like watching for like it seems like two or three years now? I know what you've but been the watching. giant yeah, it's all like giant animatronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but it's a musical. Yeah, now. that's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Everything's being turned into a musical now. You know, it's like, <laughs> dude, literally everything. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, you know, and and nothing's off down. I mean, look at the Evil Dead, the musical, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, Universal announced that they're pulling the plug on the Dark Universe, making it even Shocker. <laughs> I guess the, the, the real big money people were like, yeah, you guys just can't get this done. You know, it's just like they give the money and expect a return on their investment. I, it, it's it's so silly. It's like it's like so many different things. It's like here's the thing that made it successful in the mm-hmm. first place. Well, we're gonna throw that out the window yeah. and do something completely different. Yeah. In what marketing world does that make any fucking sense at all? Well, it's it's like if we learned anything from Force Awakens uh, and films like that, right? You. If you're you to hook to hook them, you can't get cute with it, and you give them what they want in a new package. Right. But give them hit all the buttons the other one did. Yeah, yeah. And you'll be fine. Yeah. But now suddenly we've got sexy Dracula, and we've got sexy this and sexy that, and Tom oh. Cruise wandering around a mummy film, which makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. And and uh, I, I'm glad mm-hmm. because I was really just super frustrated when they they came out with that announcement. I'm just like. Yeah. No, um, I I mourn one thing, and that's Bill Condon's Bride of Frankenstein, because he did Gods and Monsters, and you know, well, that could I, happen. Anyway. I still, yeah, I I still hold out hope that that uh, 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 Universal can can do this, but they need somebody to go like, look, man, we need to do. We need to do uh, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's those movies, and even though it didn't, it wasn't the big success. The Wolfman that they did with Benicio del Toro, yeah. that was the way to go. Yeah, if you're going to make these movies, you got to do it. But like they that. got even that. They got a little cute with. I think you go, you go deep. You go, you you do the Invisible Man. You do um, uh, something. C or D level, right? Um, it's the old Marvel thing about giving a new artist or a new writer you give yeah, them a yeah, book yeah. that's not selling, and they yeah. can only improve it. So I think that, but by coming out of the gate with things like you know Dracula and Frankenstein and the Mummy, it's just it's just uh, I don't know the American new audiences give a shit about the classic Universal right. monsters. Yeah. It's only the nostalgic fans. Yeah. But you know, well, we'll you see. do you do something like Del Toro's doing, right? Yes. Yeah, he's he's making his Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's not Creature from the Black Lagoon. Sidebar, they they released the final trailer. Oh, my God. Dude. (laughs) Oh, my God. I am so over the moon for this movie. We're talking about The Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, there's so much in there that I'm just like, oh. This is telling. Okay, this is telling. That movie's coming to town, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Is it coming to Regal? The big house? No. no, it's going to the picture. Uh, the they might be, and, yeah, 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 presented yeah. as an art film. Yeah. That's good, in a way. Yeah. That's good. They won't make the same money, but that's good. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of things like that, uh, I just saw on Vimeo, um, they released a trailer for the 4K Night of the Living Dead. 
Holy shit! Yeah, it's pretty, huh? Holy shit! It's better than the 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 thing um, Elite Entertainment did. The way right. they cleaned it up, it's unbelievable. And I spoke with John um, John Scolari. John is a friend from San Jose who he's a huge I Am Legend fan. This guy has literally worldwide every version of this. The one of the uh, most famous versions, the painting yeah. of the all the faces of vampires. Right, right. Has the original. He's super into that. He's super into the Night Limited. He's a mega collector. I'd love to get him on the show. Sure, somehow. sure. Um, but he said he went out. He went out to uh, Pittsburgh. And work for a for a, the whole presentation of this thing. Yeah, and he says it's really pretty. So well, I can't wait. You know, one of the one of the things about that that movie in particular is that, um, you know, the original print it looks like it was printed on army canvas. Well, know? I think the original print didn't. But what happened was is because of the fuck up with the with the with loss the of copyright. Yeah, yeah. It just got people weren't even going to get the original. They were just making oh, I got a copy lane or I got a we'll dupe just... of the dupe of a dupe. Yeah, yeah. And uh so but when you get used to seeing that and then you see it Yeah. Well, the elite thing, the elite cleanup that Don May did right. is was eye opening. Yeah, yeah. And then and this is even better. Yeah. So I'm very stoked for this. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I saw a trailer for something coming um, to Amazon. I think it is. It's called There's Johnny. Paul Reiser yeah. is a producer. Think of it this way. My favorite year at the Carson show. Right. And um, the Carson family has signed and let them use all this footage. So... Johnny never isn't. Of course, he's dead. Right. But Johnny is a regular character on, on this show. On this show, and it looks great. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, I, very I mean, very cool. It, I, 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 it's one of those rare cases where I, I both love the concept, and at least from what I can see, the execution. Mm -hmm. Often you like one or the other. Yeah, it feels kind of Larry Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, they announced this week, Rian Johnson, who is directing Last Jedi, is doing another trilogy. Three more films. Um, so there's going to be Star, more... Star, Star Wars. Wars. Okay. going to be more Star Wars, and then they're doing a TV... They want to do a TV series. Now, whether that TV series goes to network, or if it goes to something else... Like Netflix, and really or, the or, the only TV series that we've had in the Star Wars universe is that that animated thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, uh, I even forget what it's I, called. I forget what it's called as, yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Um, so, uh, okay, yeah. You know, the one thing that's interesting about it is that, and we're this this is going to come up a lot in a minute here. Um, it's Disney's proposing this new streaming app. And I so if I can, tr my understanding of it is, is that what they they they've seen the success of Star Trek Discovery, and they say we want some of that. Right. So they've decided they're going to do a streaming app, which they say is going to be less expensive than Netflix. Right. And it'll be all Disney stuff. And with the pr proposal they had was pulling everything from all the other venues. Right. Which meant pulling all the Marvel stuff, right. pulling all the Star Wars stuff off Netflix and all this other stuff. They've since walked that back because I think somebody realized that the Marvel stuff on Netflix um, is not just Mar it wasn't just Marvel money it was some Netflix money right, right, too sure, so sure. they have a, a stake in it so they can yeah. keep them but um, uh, they've said this new Warriors thing they're doing everyone's excited because 
I guess it's a big deal that they have this character Squirrel Girl right. who has power over squirrels. But yeah. it's going it's going to that app. Yeah. Um against I, I do love the fact that we live in a world where a character like Squirrel Girl yeah. can get her own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that the problem is that there's at some point we're gonna reach I'm already at that point. I mean I pay for Netflix, well, Hulu, you, Amazon, HBO Go, and you you just to keep current on stuff, right? And you, and yeah, what happens? Give me is, cable back. What what happens is you wind up making choices. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I have HBO, but I don't have Showtime, mm-hmm. or you, you know, a lot of times what families will do is uh, spread it out. Yeah. You know, share passwords and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. sooner or later, they're going to knuckle down on right, that. Right, exactly. You know, so anyway. Uh, Michael B. Jordan from Creed and the failed Fantastic uh, Four movie. Yeah. Uh, is going to, movie to direct The Stars Beneath Our Feet from David Barclay Moore's book. Um, uh, sure. Okay. I, I don't know a lot about the book, um, but... I thought it was interesting because this guy has made that transition fairly quickly. Is it sad that whenever you said Creed, the first thing I thought of was that horrible band? That band. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I have, you know, um, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, uh, So, you know, sure, especially these days, um, because, you know, a lot of directors are losing their gigs these days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. A lot of, Folks in Hollywood are losing yeah, a lot of them are. these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a, that is in fact before anyone asks. I think that's a subject that I I need more time to reflect on to, to know how I feel about. It. I mean, don't beyond. Yeah, that's really fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're gonna come back to um, Creed. Speaking of Creed, Creed Two definitely gonna be Apollo Creed's son fighting Ivan Drago's son. Okay. With Stallone directing. Okay. So, well, you know. Leave that off your queue. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, it, it depends on if, if you're a fan or not. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how I feel about well, it. Well, the, the director of Creed, is go, he's gone on to do Black Panther. So right. now with Stallone, it's like, yeah, but if you look at this Rocky series, other than the first one, every time Stallone's, every time Stallone's in charge... It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Images were released of Samuel L. Jackson in Glass, the the sequel to Unbreakable. Right. He looks like... What if Prince was 60? <laughs> <laughs> He's got this long purple coat, and his hair's all, like, kind of Cornell Wilde. Yeah. <laughs> Cornell Wilde. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of how the character was in the first movie, you know. I, I, I hope that they don't try to drag it into the realm of superhero you know what I mean like yeah because well, well they didn't with split right people didn't true. know split was related yeah until way after the fact yeah you know it would be cool to I mean if it if it's uh, unbreakable is a great movie I love I think it's his best I I, yeah. I like it better than sixth sense yeah I, th- I think it's great um sixth I always, sense is like a magic trick that you once you see how it's done, you go ah, right. Exactly. Okay. You, you don't want the sixth sense is one of those movies you don't go back and watch a lot. Yeah, you know yeah. because like, although some films like Fight Club you do because there's that big reveal, then you go oh. And it's also Fight Club. It's Fight Club. Argu- arguably, yeah. yeah. Tap straight into that yeah. that twenty uh, year old guy. And it's thing. Fincher. It looks yeah, great. Yeah. It is look great. Yeah. Um, Derek Connolly, who d- wrote 
um, Jurassic World is writing a Metal, Metal Gear Solid movie, which I'm kind of down for. It's iconic. If you know, you're not a gamer, it's a, an iconic game figure. Um, as long as they don't fuck it up and turn it into like the Aeon Flux movie or Ultra Violent, sure, <laughs> or whatever. Um, when you said Metal Gear, I, this is how out of it I am when it comes to video games. You said Metal Gear. I was thinking, wait. Metal Storm? <laughs> the Destruction of Jared Zinn? <laughs> I want that movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one side comment to the, what we were talking about, about the people losing their jobs. This is fascinating to me. Yeah. Ridley Scott had completed all the money in the world. And it's about the J. Paul Getty. His son is kidnapped. And they come to him and say, we need money to get our son back. And right. he goes... No. No, right. Getty's played in this instance by Kevin Spacey. Because of the recent things that have happened in the news, it's got a release date of December 22nd. Right. At this point, they're going back into the film and quote-unquote scrubbing Kevin Spacey, reshooting all of his scenes with Christopher Plummer, and they still say that they can make their release date on wow. December 22nd. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that's amazing. It is amazing, and I there's like, a lot to chew like, there, right? Yeah, exactly. That's that's a that's Christopher a, Palmer. What does that feel like? Right, oh, you know, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Think about interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, collaterally, Louis C.K. was getting ready to release a movie. Right, uh, exactly. That, I that, love you, Daddy, or I love you, something. Right. Like that. That, that, Kind that of, creepy pedo kind, kind of, of weird, yeah. weird film that we talked about yeah. through the trailer. Um, recently, he's been in the news, and they they pulled the premiere, and they may pull the movie. FX has cut ties and said that like the Louis show gone. Yeah, all ties with him are are, are being severed. So that's and, and, it's a and heavy time. And it, it is. It's heavy, and and there's so many. There's so many facets to this, mm-hmm. right? You know, and uh, and it's something I don't want to touch with a ten foot pole. It's a know? dicey thing, and it there's is, no yeah. way no any. I my wife and I have talked about it. In any position that that we, we we find that we take, it's like it's it's a it's it's a really it's horrible, a minefield. It's because, a horrible minefield. Because you find you, yourself defending things that you would never. If defend. you set your foot down on on on, on any uh, and, and 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 it doesn't matter. For lack of a better word, whose side you're on, you know, it's yeah. like it, it comes down to, to behavior, you know, mm-hmm. first of all, and 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 the obvious uh, thing of like, you know, well, this is horrible, and and you know, it should be it should be called out, and yeah, and the, then it, then it starts to splinter, right? Yeah. And, and and well, there's there's a lot going on. I mean, there's there's the idea of of like I had heard. F- Forever that Louis C.K. was was doing what he was doing, and I had heard forever that, that Kevin Spacey and there's Brian Singer's name gets thrown around, and Jeremy right, right. Piven's name gets thrown around, right. and it's fu- the whole thing is fucking horrible, it's, it's, and um, it's gonna take it's gonna take some soul searching on Hollywood's part and entertainment's part, and and 
every company in the fucking world's part yeah. because it's it's not just Hollywood it's everywhere yeah 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 um, and it's like with that Me Too hashtag and, yeah. I, and this is not what this, this podcast is right, and right. I'm going to move off of this in a minute yeah. but I was shocked at how many people close friends of mine were putting out Me Too yeah, not yeah. just like hey this is the thing I put up on Facebook but like genuinely saying that yeah. it was Me Too blew me away yeah 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 so anyway hard to go from that to this but the makers of Pokemon Go hey! <laughs> are gonna are making a Harry Potter uh, app that's going to be very similar. You know, that same sort of a uh, thing. You, you run you around. Want, yeah, and, you run around town yeah. and, and, and sure. I still have friends who are running around hunting Pokemon. Uh, shout out to local guy, Mitch Moklin. He, he's a big Pokemon Go guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, there's a documentary out called 78 slash 52. Dude, it's, I am so ready to see this. Yeah. Exactly, it's a it's a it's a dissection of the shower scene in Hitchcock. Yeah, in Psycho. And so, yeah, in Psycho, um, they just announced that their next film is going to focus on the dinner scene from Alien. Oh yeah, shit! I know. Oh shit! <laughs> I know. What and what a cool it's like you know when just when you think, what do we do? You know, what do we do as an idea? Let's take iconic. Scenes. We're not taking iconic movies and doing a documentary about no, them. Scenes. We're breaking apart scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like doing ninety minutes on on that. Fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. It can. I. It's exciting. You know. Um. On the other hand, that room two thirty four or whatever it is. The. Well, that the was Kubrick, that, that was, was just that was a movie made by a nut. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, Seth Rogen producing Garth Ennis's The Boys for Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's exciting. One of the few comic things that I've really been, like, kind of re- pumping my fist over for you. For The Boys. The Boys is, is so cool. It's, yeah, yeah, It's just yeah. such a great idea. And it seems like he doesn't shy away from the material. I mean, all up, if you look at Preacher and this right, new exactly. thing he's doing for Hulu. I forget what it's called. Future Man or something other. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. And then finally... Um, the reviews are coming in of Takashi Miyake's Blade of the Immortal. Yeah. And everyone's saying it's fucking it's amazing. So I'm very excited for well, that. The, the trailer looks trailer great. The trailer looks great. Yeah. But they're saying, like, it's not just a couple of, like, it's not just some flashy stuff. It's like, there's a genuine film there. Cool. And, and that's great. Moving on to trailers. Um, first is a film called In the Fade. It's a German-made film. has to do with... N- bombing a bombing takes place it has to do with neo-nazis right and a, and a woman trying to um find her son i want to say yeah um it, it um i don't know it, it i remember when i was a kid and people would say foreign film <laughs> and, and and it immediately brought to mind a certain yeah, uh, type of movie. This is one of those. Yeah, and yeah, this is one of those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it seems well made, and it seems that, and I'm sure it's 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 fine, mm-hmm. you know. But it, yeah, it does have that that sort of look. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, consequently, I'm not that interested. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not jumping up and down, going like, "Oh my god, it looks!" So I can't great. wait to see this. But uh, I think it's one of those things where. Um, uh, I know that if it was on and I was there, I would, I would check it out. Watch it. Yeah. Um, it looks perfectly... It looks... It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Next up is something called Gangsterland. It's a period piece, gangster revenge movie, something about the Van- Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, the, you know, 1920 Chicago. Capone's in it. A lot of uh, Tommy guns. A lot of Tommy guns. I was... I, I, 
I have an affinity for this the subject matter, and I always feel like movies so rarely do it justice. Mm-hmm. And people have tried. We had what was the the Mobland? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bu- been a bunch of there's them. A, there's a bunch of them, and uh, I, I, there's a, there was that Tom Hardy one. That may even be the same one. Um, well, and uh, there was the Shia LaBeouf, the thing that Frank Darabont did. Oh yeah, uh, the TV series, the TV uh, series that uh, didn't last. Dana Gould was on it. John Bernthal was on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it called? Gangland. Something. Something like that. Well, any so this looks to be more of the same. Like the last, the, the movie that I can think of that really nailed this for me. Was the Untouchables? Sure, that's a long time ago. That's that a long movie time was. ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I even think there's a lost TV thing called Melvin Purvis G Man. is a great <laughs> TV movie that was super violent. I, um, I want to say someone like Frankenheimer directed it. Okay. Um, but yeah, this um, Gangsterland. It does look like they've tweezed. There's. It looks pretty violent. Yeah, it so. does look violent. I, I'm interested in it. I, I just I'm gun shy because so many folks they have tried it up. and they. Yeah. There was that Johnny Depp movie recently. Well, the Johnny Depp movie. They're all serviceable. They're mm-hmm. all they're they're all okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like this is like a a big mythos, you know, and, yeah. and I feel like people don't. Yeah. Get it. I would say that I would throw in that they probably did it kind of right with uh, L.A. Confidential. Oh, L.A. Confidential is yeah, so yeah, good. That's I, good I, stuff. I, I love that. Up next, a documentary about Gay Talese and his voyeuristic motel owner called Voyeur. Yeah. This looks interesting. It looks very twisted and dark. Very fascinating. This We're, was a guy who built built um, observation posts in this hotel. Where he would watch people. His whole goal behind making the hotel was to set up mm-hmm. his voyeuristic. It reminded me a little of the the castle in H H H Holmes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of very a lot of secret rooms and you know uh, shenanigans and yeah, cameras and mirrors and, and cameras. The, and stuff. the ghost of Bob Crane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of sneaking around watching. <laughs> uh, next up is a comedy called. Sergio and Sergey. It's a ham radio operator helps Russian cosmonaut. Yeah. Okay. It looks fun. It it, 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 it looks like a mo- movie I would watch with my mom. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of there. There was like a bunch of these movies like in the nineties, like Danny Deckchair and stuff like yeah. that. You remember yeah. that? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it looked. It looked. Uh, it looked. It looked fine. It looks fun. Um, next up, Man from Outer Space, low-budget sci-fi thing about an astronaut that lands on a planet. This looks like a $1.98 budget. Totally. It, it, it's so cheap, and I can't tell if it's supposed to be funny or not. But kind of, it kind of made me chuckle. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems to be riding pretty firmly on its script, because there's definitely not a lot of money being thrown around no, no. anywhere. Um and I I walked away from the trailer going like I want to keep that on my radar and yeah. and see more hopefully later in another trailer I I kind of got the same vibe not as creative as this but the same sort of vibe as with Bill's film uh, Dave Made a Maze right exactly yeah so, yeah yeah um this next up big biggie the post S- Spielberg directing right. Tom Hanks Meryl Streep 
give her, you just give them the Oscar. Yeah, exactly. It, it and it does. It looks great. It looks engaging, especially mm-hmm. if you were around at the time that the, the events it's the Pentagon talking papers, about. Right? It. Yeah, it's the Pentagon Papers. It's the 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 Washington Post mm-hmm. breaking open. Um, at the same time, you know. If that kind of stuff doesn't interest you, this is not going to be. Yeah, it's movie. like the Big Short. Yeah. Everyone tells me how good it is, and I go, "Yeah, but it's about accounting." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know that I want to watch that. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, and then a film next up. Uh, this one, yeah, sure, everyone's going to see it. It's going to win a ton of awards. It's Spielberg. There you go. Yeah. This next one. Um, uh, uh, John brought up uh, early man the Ardman. Yeah, Ardman man, thing. I'm I'm sign me up. I'm on board. But then again, like I was saying during the the interview, up you know uh, part of the show, uh, what there's a stop motion you know pee rolling yeah. across the table. I'm there. I'm there. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, having said that, this looks genuinely great and funny as all Ardman stuff. I think does. it's like like key lime pie. You know, if you like key lime pie, yeah. this is great key lime pie. Yeah. If you come to it going like, like if you don't get Wallace and Gromit, yeah. then you're fucking done. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, me personally, I'm in. I'm totally in. I, 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 dude, Pirates, Sean the Sheep, mm-hmm. um, this thing that's coming out. Uh, yeah, it's man, good stuff. Creature Comforts is still one of the it's coolest things. That, yeah, and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, if if you if anybody out there listening has ever done animation, you've ever done clay animation, mm-hmm. which is a lot of what these guys do. Yeah, it's hard, yeah, man. It's I tough. I bet. Uh, and Ardman is like, uh, in many instances, that's people's entry point yeah. to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Um, Swing and Safari. Stephen Elliott, who directed Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, seventies um, comedy, has to do with. Drinking and parents who party and all the swing and yeah, man, I, I'm all over this. It like, looks it, fun, this right? This looks so much fun. I, I really liked Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, it's such a good movie. Um, it and I saw it at a time when um, what was the Baz Luhrmann film at the same time about the Pasa del Blay, the dancing Trickly Ballroom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Around yeah. the same time, right? Yeah. Um, this thing, Guy Pierce is in it. A bunch of actors. There's a guy from Nip Tuck that's in it. Yeah. Um, an unrecognizable Kylie Minogue. Right. And um, just about you know, teens whose parents are drinking and smoking. It's the '60s. It's 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 like dazed 70s. and confused. It's like dazed yeah. and confused. But your parents are. The- yeah. Ones that are partying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's all this... Clearly, there's some wife-swapping going on. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's very... It, and I'm sure it's really Australian. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. Uh, I'm, I so want to see it. Looks fun. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, next up, Along with the Gods. Um, my description of this is a Korean dead like me. It's kind of like this guy has died. Right. And now he's involved in the bureaucracy of the afterlife. Right. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm in. Yeah, it looked good. Looked it, fun. It looks good. It looks. Uh, uh, anytime somebody's doing like like that type of thing, I'm always interested at the very least because, um, it's not something that you can you can't make a movie like that that is fine. Mm-hmm. Like you you have to put a lot of thought into it. Right. Yeah, and you look at like I'm a I'm a big Dead Like Me fan. The yeah. first two seasons are are great. Yeah. 
Then they brought it back, and it was fucking. It was really terrible. Oh, that for the movie. Yeah, but, it's yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's bad. Um, when suddenly your your precocious uh, lead is looking like a smoker in the third film. Well, you know, you, you know, that's one of the issues when you do a show like that, is that you know George shouldn't age mm-hmm. at all, at all. You know, you know yeah, and, uh, and yeah. so it's you know you have a very limited amount of time. Yeah. Or you do the Marvel thing and you age him backwards. Right, exactly. For a million dollars. Yeah. Um, next up, Kaleidoscope. It looks like a murder mystery with Toby Jones. Yeah, and it, anything with Toby Jones, anything. I'm, I'm down to watch. I, wa- I just recently watched that, the one he's a sound engineer, Bergen something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. He's one of those actors. I in, in the competition on Truman Capote's, I think he was the better... I, I, I think that... That movie was and now. I, I now I have to remember. The Is name it Capote of. or Truman? One of them. Okay, well, Capote, one, Capote was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. Okay, so it's not him. It's not him. The other it's, one. It's and it. Uh, I. That's gonna look drive it me nuts up. now. Yeah. Yeah. Toby Jones. Look at but, but it was funny because they they came out at the same time. Yeah. And uh, uh, and I think that his was better. Yeah, I think he nailed them. Nailed, yeah. nailed the character better. Yeah. Um, and then finally, something called Game Night. Um, it looks to be Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams are married, and they go to a a sort of murder mystery party at right. a house, and somebody really dies. Yeah, and it gets a little crazy from yeah. there. It, um, it reminds me of um, Murder Party a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Murder Party meets if you if the date night, the Tina yes. Fey thing, Stephen Carell thing yeah. that was just out. Um, it, you know, it looks funny. It looks funny. I love Jason Bateman. Not, yeah. not. I mean, clearly with Ozarks and a couple of the other things he's done, he can do straight comedy. Right. But then you look at Arrested Development. You look at his role in uh, uh, Dodgeball. Mm-hmm. You know, he was great in Paul. Yeah, he was great. He's yeah. great in everything. He's yeah. just one of those guys that mm-hmm. that uh, I saw this weird thing about. Uh, from the 70s, it was a VHS cover. It was uh, the 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 presentation was called "How Do I Know When I'm in Love with Jason and Justine Bateman?" <laughs> and you're like, I sure hope it's not with each other. That doesn't sound good at all. Anyway, uh, let's see. Winding up. Um, what have you watched? Anything good? Um, we've been watching the second season of Stranger Things. Okay. Um, Are you digging it? Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm a little disturbed with Stranger Things now because so so those kids are everywhere. Yeah. And I just saw that Eleven yeah. was voted onto some sexiest celebrity yeah, site. It's so and that stu- really it's, bums me it's out. stupid. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand why. But that one kid is richer than God right now. The one, he was in It, and now yeah. he's in, you know, he was also in Stranger Things. But uh, with the, He has that cool name. Like a Finn total, Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard, yeah, yeah. It's like a total metal name. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I see him on everything now. And they're, they've got him singing Motown. They've got him... Yeah, and I wonder about that. It's like, like at some point you got to worry well, about becoming a dog act. You know, I mean, there's, there's. I guess you can look at it two ways. It's like, hey, man, we're on this train, ride it hard now, because who knows, you know, and save those pennies. On the other hand, two words, you, Dana Plato. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know. And on the other hand, it's like, yeah. well, it's not even the other hand. It's like. You don't know how long this is going. To go no one does. So I say write it. You know, yeah, write it yeah, for yeah. what you can. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Anything else? Just, just that. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't had time to watch anything else. 
me. Mostly a lot of comedy things. There's a new Judah Freelander comedy thing on Netflix and a couple of other things. The Judah Freelander thing is 90 minutes and it's way too long. Um, go to my website. I, I have, so I'm still doing for the rest of the year the number, the film a day. Uh, most of these are shit. Gulliver's Travels with Jack Black was absolutely That's like... That's a horrible movie. Oh, it's like having a lobotomy. Um, Surrogates with Bruce Willis, same thing. Um, I did watch a Japanese film called When a Woman Ascends the Stairs. That's really good. Um, I For some reason, I, I watched Trapped Crimson Bat. It's kind of a female Zatoichi flick. But the one I want to mention is an HBO thing um, called The Sunset Limited, Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. Two men in a room, and that's it. And it's just them talking. And cool. It's, it's fucking amazing. Um, are you reading anything? Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually I'm reading something by Nick. I'm going to mess this name up. Um, uh, Mamatis, uh-huh. I think. M-A-M-A-T-A-S. Okay. Mamatis. Um, it's called I Am Providence. And it is a murder mystery, um, at least in the beginning, told first person by the victim. Um that takes place against the backdrop of a Lovecraft convention. Oh, very cool. It's very cool. It's very fun. It's fun. And, and it's really... Uh, the name of the convention is the um, the Summer Tentacular. <laughs> it's, it's very cool. Uh, uh, people who go to conventions and dig Lovecraft would really enjoy it. That is hilarious. Uh, I'm reading... I, I revisited a book. This gets a little crunchy, kids. Um, it's called It's a Meaningful Life by Bo Lazoff. Mm-hmm. Um... It, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's, it's a philosophy sort of self-help book, because, uh, you know, I was sure I was bored, uh, and it's quite good. And I highly recommend. Uh, any recommendations, music-wise? We'll get out of here because I have a gift. Go ahead. Oh, um, I've been listening to. It, 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 oddly, I've been listening to a lot of um, old uh, prog rock, which nice. I which I used to listen to almost exclusively and it's been decades now that I I, and now I've been kind of going back and and rediscovering and starting very gently you know like you know like I'm going to listen to some yes and then sure I'm going to listen to you know um cactus and uh, you know wow so stuff, yeah, that I haven't heard in a long, long time. I just posted time. on Facebook that there's, there's a new Premiata Fornieri Pony, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. You know, I see that there's a lot of those old bands, like Eloy is back up and running, yeah. and, you know, there's, there's a, two uh, goblins uh, running around. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and which goblin do you see when they come to town? Well, see them both. the answer is both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. I used to, I used big into Prague for a really <clears throat> long time. Um, and uh, I think it's like a lot of those things where it's like uh, you're 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 into that, and then you know life becomes what it does, mm-hmm. and you don't have a lot of time, and so you find yourself like, uh, you know, I need a hook. Yeah, you know? yeah, I yeah. need a beat. I yeah. need a hook. I need well, I you know you nowadays there's this there's new prog, and which is I don't see what the difference is. It's just right. new, newer bands. And then you get into this other world that, that I've heard described as math rock, <laughs> which is rushes in there. Right. It's all right. that shit that's so technical that it's like, right. it's like math. Yeah. So, you know, but it, there's some of it that's so good. Yeah. So good. And, um, uh, uh, the, I, I love Prague because it's like, None of these ideas are worthy of an entire three to five minute song. Right. But I can weave them all together into this thing and you get 
you know, you get to taste all of them yeah. through the 21 minutes. <laughs> yeah, through uh, the 21 minutes. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, get your pencils out on this one, because it's going to need you to write some stuff down out there. A um, friend of mine, Ashkelon Zane, he used to be in a band called Trance to the Sun, and he was the musician backing up Soraya, if you know Soraya. He's sure. a Tuvan throat singer. Right. Comes out, he was on America's Got Talent, and yeah. they hated him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so he's got this band called Devoured by Flowers, and they have a new record out, and it's called Illuminescent. Yeah. And if you go to HTTPS colon slash slash devouredbyflowers.bandcamp.com, you can have the record for free. Bam. Bam. That's our gift to I've you. Heard, I've heard one track from it, and I liked it. It's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's, it's not super gothy, and it's not... Um, it's not as it's it's an evolution I think from where um, you know what he was doing with Trance of the Sun and that Soraya stuff man yeah. is so good it's so cool alright so we're done that's it that's bam it. we're gonna go eat uh, we'll see you next week um, Miguel Rodriguez is our guest right he's, a, he's got a film festival that uh, we, we're gonna talk about sure and uh, we got some good stuff coming up so Thanks again. Uh, please visit the uh, Facebook page. Please go to my site. Um, buy my book. <laughs> Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. All right. So for the Rose Piero Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary. <laughs>